Welcome to Classic Take, episode 37, titled How Will Mashiach Fight His Wars? The Shir is dedicated to his host, Odi, the nurse is strolling around the world. We may we merit, merit the coming of Mashiach right now. The Rambam describes the simonim, the signs, or more more accurately, the criteria, the halachic criteria of Mashiach, the only halachic codifier who took that concept of Mashiach and brought it out as a halachic concept with halachic definitions and halachic guidelines was the Rambam. That's what's so unique about the Rambam in the end of his book. He has Hilchas Mulachim and Mulchameseyam, the end of his Mishnah Torah, that is labeled the laws of kings and their wars. And according to some uh, versions of his printing of the Rambam, it's also Hilchas Mulachim, Mulchameseyam, and Malachim Mashiach, the laws of kings and their wars and the King, king Mashiach. And at right at the end of his Sefer, he dedicates the last two chapters as a discussion of Mashiach. But unlike all other sources on Mashiach, which discuss Mashiach from a, what I would call an Agadic, a Midrashic, a uh, more of a, uh, you know, general discussion of all the good things that will happen and different collection of different sayings of our sages, the Rambam has a very unique approach to Mashiach, which one could say is uh, the Rambam's own interpretation based on halachic guidelines, but the Rambam codifies Mashiach in a very unique way. There's a lot to discuss about it, but we'll leave that for another time. And the Rambam discusses the halachic criteria of Mashiach, the vision of Mashiach, of a person coming and saving the Jewish people, is a belief in the Torah. It's a cornerstone of Jewish belief, and it's something which the Jewish people have believed in throughout the ages. And the vision of Mashiach is something that everyone has, particularly in the harsh times of exile, has always dreamt about and looking forward to. And the vision of Mashiach, how a person pictures Mashiach, could have many different faces. It could have many different ways. There's many different angles of understanding what Mashiach is all about. And many different ways of understanding the setting of how Mashiach comes into the world and how Mashiach deals with the problems in the world. Many Midrashim focus on, so to say, a miracle, a miraculous arrival of Mashiach. And the, uh, the truth is, to use the term miraculous is not the proper word, but they, 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 the focus more on the coming of Mashiach as great world upheavals that will take place and uh, particularly within the Jewish people, terrible things that will happen or other things that will happen and how Mashiach will come and the different miraculous and the change of regular, the norm as we know it today, and this is what Mashiach will accomplish. And they did the drop, the, the backdrop of setting of events that they have for Mashiach is, uh, you know, I mean, there's many different medrashim and they vary from place to place, but it's all based on introducing the coming of Mashiach in connection with different events and the sequence of events and so on and so forth. The Rambam has a very different approach to Mashiach. The Rambam basically says to identify Mashiach, there's no need to be aware of all these Midrashim, and these Midrashim, in a certain sense, do not enhance or subtract from the understanding of what Mashiach has to do or how his arrival will appear. The Rambam basically, if I could express myself so, he extracts from all the Midrashim and from all the different discussions of how Mashiach will arrive, the Rambam extracts the halachic 
the fundamental aspect of Mashiach, which remains the same and does not depend on any specific circumstance or sequence of events, and which basically tell, basically highlights what exactly Mashiach is from a purely halachic definition, the same way when a person puts on tefillin. There's many discussions of tefillin. We spend the whole year discussing the different mystical and religious and different meanings and the reasons of tefillin and uh, you know what this means and that means and so on and so forth. But then there's the halachic definition. A person has to know, are these tefillin kosher or not? And there's very specific halacha guidelines that tell you if the tefillin are kosher or not. A person could discuss them today till tomorrow, the mystical meaning or what it really is accomplishing or not accomplishing. But there has to be a very practical guideline. Are you putting on tefillin? How should you put on tefillin? What are the halachic criteria of tefillin? The same thing is with the Rambam really innovated, which obviously is not a real innovation, but it's the presentation of the Rambam, which is an innovation. The Rambam took the concept of Mashiach from being some you know, end of days vision, some great bliss, blissful event or whatever it is, you know, world changing event, which is something which is regulated to person's greatest imaginations. And the Rambam codified it, the Rambam qualified it as a halachic concept, something which is embedded in, 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 in the past, so to say, also in the kingdom of David HaMalach, a, 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 a continuous phenomenon which is part of Torah Mitzvahs, which is the idea of having a Jewish king. And as such, if we understand what is the job of a Jewish king, we understand what Mashiach will have to do. And this is a very fundamental concept, which uh, to some degree we already discussed in episode 7, or what is Mashiach's ultimate job description. And... Um, it, it, it's very, very important to keep that in mind. On this basis, the Ramam, let's start analyzing the, the Ramam's description of Mashiach's activities, how we identify who Mashiach is. The Ramam says that David, if a king from the house of David will appear, will arise on the scene. He delves into Torah and he involves himself as mitzvahs, as David, his ancestor. The term Kedavid Aviv is a term that's used in Tanakh a number of times to highlight somebody that's completely righteous as David HaMelech, according to the Torah, and he will fulfill the mitzvahs as outlined in the written Torah, the oral Torah. In other words, he's following, he doesn't have his own version of Judaism as other people had, as uh, people didn't believe in the oral tradition, etc., etc. The Yaakov called Israel Leilach Bolachazik Bitkoi will compel all the Jewish people to follow the path of Torah. And to strengthen Bitka, those areas of Torah which are breached, those areas of Torah which need, you know, uh, to, to make sure the people adhere to properly. And he will wage the words of Hashem. So, this is somebody that is Becheskes Mashiach. Becheskes Mashiach is a little bit of a interesting definition. Basically, we can presume he is Mashiach. He's not yet, it's to the presumption that he's Mashiach, it means two things. First of all, it means, on the one hand, simply means that we don't, we can't say for certain this person is Mashiach. But uh, more particularly, Becheskes Mashiach is also it's a different stage. It's a earlier stage. The stage of Becheskes Mashiach, as we will, as as really what it is, which really again deserves its own discussion. The stage of Becheskes Mashiach is still inherently part of the stage of exile. 
It is either the King Mashiach at that point is not actually fulfilling the fundamental prophecies of the future redemption, which are the building of the Beis Hamikdash and the gathering of the exiles. In the Cheskes Mashiach, he is doing the his job description, which Rambam writes, he's the king based David, he's the king from the house of David, who was doing whatever a king is supposed to do, and he is Becheskes Mashiach. He was so the basic criteria is that he himself is a great, righteous person, and he's learning Torah and involved in mitzvahs like David, his ancestor. He's compelling all the Jewish people to follow the path of Torah mitzvahs, and he's waging the wars of Hashem. Those are the three basic components to the description of Cheskes Mashiach. And where did the Ramam get this from? If you look in any source, at least that we have today, in all the Midrashim, we don't really find the source for this. First of all, we don't find the source of the difference between Cheskes Mashiach and Mavadeh Mashiach, but the Ramam later said that if a person, if it was successful, and he was victorious over all the nations around Israel, and he built a base of Middash in his place, and he gathered the dispersed of Israel, then he is definitely Mashiach. He is a Mashiach Bavadai. So basically, the uh, fact that there's the Rambam divides between a Becheskes and a Bavadeh, somebody that is presumed Mashiach and Bavadeh Mashiach, also requires clarification. But I want to just, the part of the discussion which I want to focus on now, where does the Rambam get this concept of Becheskes Mashiach from? Where, where do we see that the criteria of Mashiach is to do these particular things of being involved in Torah, mitzvahs like David's ancestor, and compelling the Jewish people and waging the wars of Hashem? And the simple answer is that the Rambam gets them from, like I explained before, the Rambam here is not looking through Midrashic literature to try to see what Mashiach has to do or not have to do. The Rambam is trying to extract and to, so to say, dig into the essence, the halachic definition of Mashiach, try to define it in halachic clear-cut words. And according to the Rambam, Mashiach is a king. He is doing what a Jewish king is meant to do. What is the job of a Jewish king that I'm already describes earlier in Hilchas Malachim and Perek Dalet at the end of chapter 4? The Rambam basically says that the job of a Jewish king is to somebody that he is doing, that to read the Rambam's words, everything the king does should be for the sake of heaven. His goal, his thoughts, his plans should be to raise the true belief. To fill the world with justice. And to break the arm of the wicked, to break the strength, the might of the wicked. And to wage the words of Hashem. We only crown a king to begin with for these these are the two main jobs of a king according to the scripture is to do mishpah to do judgment which basically means to run the country and to make sure that there's proper justice and to do wage war as it brings a posse for this the king will judge us and will go before us and he will wage our wars Basically, according to the Rambam, as the Rambam himself indicates in the heading of these halachas, Hilchus Mulachim and Mulchamisayim, the job of a king is to wage war. That's part of the things that a king has to do. Now, why? what is the significance of waging war? In today's day and age, some people might irk when they hear this. I mean, unfortunately, in the reality we're living in today, this is a very real thing that happens. 
What is the need of a king to wage war? What is the meaning that a Jewish king is supposed to wage war? And what is its relevance particularly when it comes to Mashiach? So in general, the description of a king, which again, it requires a separate discussion about a lot of people might have a hard time identifying Mashiach as a king, but we'll leave that for another time. But the, 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 the job description of a king, the role of a king, is basically there's two fronts. There is the internal front, dealing with the people in the country, making sure that there's law and order, there's justice carried out, there's a proper system of law and order within the country itself. And then there's also providing security with the nation from the nations around that particular country where the king reigns. So in essence, the job of a king, you have, for example, the, the Jewish people and they asked for a king and you know, historically, the role of the king was that figurehead. Who, first of all, he was his. He he ran the country internally. He, his was the final word, and final verdict on you know internal matters, and also he was the one that provided security from the nations around the Jewish people, that they shouldn't, if any of them tried to strike or to harm the Jewish people. His job was to wage wars. And to be the, so to say, the figurehead who would, everybody would have to listen to. He would have the control that he would, could declare war. He could, you know, he would rally, you know, he would be the one to lead the Jewish people into battle. As the Pesach says, that he would lead them out. He would bring them back from battle. Now, the role of a king to wage war, what is what are the wars that a king has to fight? And the Rambam is calling his Allah, HaSilchus Malachim Mulchamayseyam, which means that there is, you know, the king is, is uh, you know, today most people look at a government as, you know, merely some type of body that, you know, has to provide some sense of security from the nations around it. But usually in today's day and age, you know, when uh, a lot of places in the world, at least, people are not prone to fight. So the job of the government is, yes, obviously there should be security and so on and so forth, but not to, not to wage war. Wars are looked down upon. But years ago, things were different. And either way, in the history of the Jewish people, in particular, there was always a need to be on the watch out and there were always enemies trying to attack the Jewish people. So what are the wars that a king has to fight? So here, too, there are very clear halachic guidelines. Understand what the Rambam, the Rambam is also discussing that Pecheskes Mashiach, he wages the wars of Hashem. So to understand what these wars of Hashem are, the Rambam himself explains in the, in the laws of Mulach Mulcham Yiseyam, in the, uh, in the beginning of chapter 5, the Ramam explains that the first thing that a king fights is a milchamas mitzvah. There are certain wars that are a mitzvah, they are mandated by Torah, and there are other wars that are called milchamas rishus, that these wars are not ma- mandated by Torah. Uh, Torah gives the king a right to, uh, to, to wage these wars. They're voluntary, or I'm not voluntary is the right word, but in other words, he has the permissibility to do it, but they're not a Mulchamas Mitzvah, they are not a obligatory war. What is a Mulchamas Mitzvah? What is a Mulchamas Mitzvah that Rambam says is the war against the seven nations? Those were the nations that inhabited the land of Israel, which the Torah required us to annihilate them unless they were ready to make peace with the Jewish people and to accept our terms. The war with Amalek, which were also the same thing we were commanded to annihilate. And whenever there's an enemy that's coming to hurt the Jewish people, 
there is a uh, an obligation, obviously, that the king should go to war to defend the Jewish people against this onslaught from the enemy that's trying to attack them. So the conquering of the land of Israel, the seven nations in particular, and the war with Amalek, these are obligatory wars. These are things that, you know, that they had to happen in order to get into the land of Israel. The war of, for, an en- for any enemy that's trying to attack the Jewish people, obviously, is a mandatory war, but it's, not, uh, it's, it's only necessary if an enemy attacks. These are the wars that are called Mulchemes Mitzvah, obligatory war. And then there's other wars that are voluntary. The king could fight those wars if he wants to, in order to uh, expand the territory of the land of Israel or whatever it is. Now, the, um, the, these wars, here's not the place to go into it. There are very defined laws of how the king goes to war. And there's a difference who, who's called up to fight. And his enemy, you know, that is how the enemy is, is dealt with is given first an ability to sue for peace and so on and so forth. I don't want to go through all these laws which are, you know, the Rambam enumerates and could open up the Rambam by himself. I want to focus more on what Mashiach will have to fight. So the question here comes, another not the question, so another one we're discussing here, this definition of Mashiach, the Allahic definition of Mashiach, the Cheskas Mashiach, the king who is a Cheskas Mashiach, who is, so to say, presumed to be Mashiach, he has not yet fulfilled any of the fundamental prophecies of redemption. He has not yet secured the land of Israel. He is working on it. He's fighting the wars of Hashem, which, as we see, means providing security, true Jewish independence in the land of Israel. He did not yet build a base on Midrash gather in the exile. So he, those are the fundamental prophecies of redemption. What he is doing, on the other hand, is he is a king who is compelling the Jewish people to fulfill Tehidah Mitzvahs which is part of the job of a Jewish king, the same way the job of the secular king, as we mentioned before, internally, is to ensure that there's a proper law and order, so to on a religious scale, in a Jewish perspective, the role of the king is to make sure that the Jewish people keep Torah mitzvahs, to compel the Jewish people to keep Torah mitzvahs. You know, at the end of the day, is Judaism is, uh, is not a democracy. You know, I, the person has to put on fill and he has to keep Torah mitzvahs, because that's what Hashem said. You know, that obviously it's because Jew has a neshama and really wants to do it with all that. But at the end of the day, is Torah mitzvahs when a Jewish king rules the country, the law of the land. Torah mitzvahs is the law of the land. So the king compels the Jewish people to fulfill Torah mitzvahs, which is then he also wages the wars of Hashem, which means that he has to provide security a secure environment for the Jewish people that they should be secure physically to be able to fulfill Torah mitzvahs and they should be secure spiritually, meaning that they should, I'm sorry, they should be secure physically, that no nation should attack them, they should be secure spiritually, which means that they should have the freedom that they need to be able to fulfill Torah mitzvahs without the worry that anyone will attack them, uh, you know, from the surrounding countries. So this is basically the, uh, the, the job of a Jewish king. So the Rambam, therefore, doesn't say that the Mashiach will have to fight this nation, that nation. The Rambam is describing if Mashiach will stand in the shoes of, what a, of a king, fulfill these identified obligations that a king has to do. He is the Cheskes Mashiach. Now, when it comes practically what will be, which wars Mashiach will have to fight and which nations will stand up against Mashiach and all that, this is already an agadic 
discussion. This is something which, you know, in, in Midrashim and other places, they're full. Maybe we all heard of the War of Gogol Mogig, for example, which is one famous war, the battle to end all battles, and so on and so forth. But from a halachic perspective, this is the role of Mashiach. Mashiach is the person who, du- during exile, there was always Shibud Malchias. There was always being subjugated to foreign nations. And the um, job of a Jewish king is to create true Jewish independence. True Jewish independence doesn't mean that he has to ask another nation for permission to go out to war. It means that he creates a Jewish independence, as David HaMelech did, that all the nations were terrified to start up with him. And in the days of Shlomo, it was done in a positive manner, that the nations respected Shlomo and they were all at peace with the Jewish people. But that is the job of a Jewish king, to create a, a true sense of security for the land of Israel. Now, this is what Mashiach will have to do. This is his first test, so to say. His first achievement he will have to do, which is, certain, certain sense, the hallmark of exile. I mean, sure, this is, this is what exile means. There's multiple angles to exile. But the, 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 the first thing that we know that we all experience in exile is that the foreign nations that rule us in one way or another. Whether their rule is the more, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to hurt us or harm us, or they're not, they're not, they're, not, they're limiting our, their ability, our ability to act as we should to ensure our safety and to have true Jewish independence. So the first test for Mashiach is if he will be able to wage the wars of Hashem, to be able to establish, another, even before he established, another Chetzel's Mashiach didn't yet establish true Jewish independence. But he is involving himself in fighting these wars to create proper independence for the Jewish people. And this is also what the Rambam says in the beginning of Vilchus Mulachim that Hamelach Hamashiach Asid Lamoid Alavzer Machlus Beistavid Leyeshnulim Hamishalad Rishena Mashiach will arise and he will return the kingdom of David to its former days, its former glory, to literally to its past, to the first. The first rulership, which basically means the idea of Malchus based David, the kingdom of Ahav, the house of David, means it's not only a dynasty, you know, it's a family tradition, but there's a, there's a definition that it means. It means that there will be true Jewish independence. The only time historically the Jewish people had real proper independence was in the days of David and Shlomoy, and when there was a proper kingdom also, because after Shlomoy already, some nations started. Uh, slipping away, they, they weren't ready to accept, you know, started fighting against uh, the Jewish rule and the, the, the kingdom itself was split and the Jewish kingdom then was split in the days of Shleimah HaMalach's son. So Mashiach will return that kingdom. How is that? So traditionally, historically, again, is it the, how exactly will Mashiach actually have to wage physical wars? We'll leave that for, for the next discussion. But this is the, from a halachic perspective, how do we identify who Mashiach is and the initial stage of Cheskes Mashiach is compelling Jewish people to fulfill Taita Mitzvahs, himself being righteous, compelling, and he's fulfilling this mission of a king to wage war, which is, first of all, it's, it's true Jewish independence, true Jewish security, and proper conquest of Eretz Yisrael. Shem should help with Shemer, the coming of Mashiach, take from Yad Mamish. Classic Take is produced by Todalt's Podcast Productions, producers of The Daily Boost, The Weekly Fabrengen, Power Fabrengen, and Mashiach Mindset Audio. Available on all podcast platforms.